Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome back to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I'm JP Mosier. And we are your hosts for the day as we dig into a fantastic song, number whatever in your programs, number one in your hearts, <laughs> More Than a Feeling by Boston one of the great jukebox anthems of yes. our lifetime. Ah, jukebox. Marianne walking away. I got all the feels. Jeez. More than a feeling. More. That even, was more. I, listen, I got a feeling and also more. That's, yes. I yes. mean, ugh, all of it. Boston. Okay. So, more than a feeling, uh, released in 1976 by the, they're classified as a hard rock band, Boston. Uh, I Do you agree with that? I'll call them rock-ish. I mean, I'll call them rock. We'll call them rock-ish. I got no problem with that. Yeah. Would you say, my opinion, if you're going to classify Boston as a hard rock band, do you also classify Journey as a hard rock band? I'm going to go, yeah, because even though they're known for their ballads, they have their rock stuff. Yeah. Which, so I'll go yes. Okay. I think think that's maybe an over-classification. But anyway... Rock band, at the very least, hard rock band, if you prefer, Boston, yeah, har- 1976, har- named the 39th best hard rock song of all time by VH1. Um, VH1, man. Yeah, how about that? The authority on all music. That's right. Other than us. Correct. We lend out some authority to, to VH1, um, but you're really here on the Great Song Podcast to find out what we think, uh, because we know... What's good? And we're going to help you understand what's good if you don't already. Um, it was originally number 500 on the Rolling Stone Top 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. It has since moved. And to be honest, I'm too lazy. We don't know lazy. which direction. Yeah, I don't know if it moved off or moved up. And I'm too lazy to scroll through the entire list. We know it's not in the top 20 because we stopped looking after that. No longer in the top uh, Yeah, no, not in the top 20. Uh, it was written by Boston member Tom Schultz. Uh, and it actually, uh, this is according to Wikipedia, but it actually, uh, took him five years to finish this song. Um, so it was released in 1976, but he literally started writing the song five years, maybe more before that. That's when it was like done, finished, released. He actually played every instrument on that song, except for drums. He played everything on there except for drums. Yeah. It's kind of a cool thing about Boston, which is kind of part of the Meet the Band section. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! Feels like a good way to segue into that. Yeah, Tom Schultz actually played every instrument on there with the exception of drums. The drummer was uh, Sib Hashian or sure. Hashian. You know? I mean, who isn't? I, exactly. He, the only act of notoriety that I saw that he played with, he played on Sammy Hagar's live album. Um, cool fact about Sid, well, call it cool if you want, interesting random fact, he died on set 
on stage this March on a cruise ship while playing. While wow. playing live, he is no longer with us. Was he us. playing with Boston? He was, was not playing. Play- he was else? on a cruise ship. On a Boston cruise ship. has, yeah, there, he was playing on a cruise ship. So, wow. yeah, And then the uh, vocalist, uh, Brad Delp. Um, but they are the, the only ones on the, on the recording. Uh, all the other band members on the album cover um, actually did not play on the album. Yeah. On the whole album? On the whole album. Wow. Yes. They, uh, Tom Schultz actually wanted to have a faceless band. He played everything. He didn't want the band members to be... And this is back, basically the album you see on the back of this wonderful Boston vinyl is the touring band yeah. of Boston. Wow. But the people that recorded this album were Sib, the drummer, who I cannot pick out of this group of five, Tom, the everything, and the <laughs> singer, Brad Delp. And if you'll look at this guy, I don't know who is which. Sorry, Tom, um, but I can't pick you out of here, even though you did everything so, on it. So sort of, you know, in the uh, what late 90s, early 2000s, we had Five for Fighting. Same kind of concept. It was one guy, but you give it a band name. Feels Feels like a band. People like to listen to bands, and, and rather than it be, you know, Joe Schmo and be this is my music. Tom Scholes and Friends exactly. is not quite as big as yeah. Boston, a rock band, especially like great comparison, like yeah. Journey, Foreigner, one name bands. Yeah. Pretty big around that time. So yeah. It's marketing, true. all the marketing ploy. Um, so, yeah. What, you, got, you got any other, off the top of your head, you have any other acts who are really one person but came off as a band? I was trying to think, is Al City considered? That's, 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 that's going to be my other example. It would be Al City is really Adam Young. He does everything, uh, but he but he, he markets it as Al City. Lenny Kravitz as Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> nah, he markets himself as yeah. himself. Uh, I can't really think of another band. There are loads of examples of, of uh, bands who have been sort of primarily led by one person, and they may have played a lot of the instruments, but to, to really basically play everything that's pretty that's yeah, pretty impressive he's, he's pretty cool a little, um, little background on tom schultz he's an mit grad uh with a master's in mechanical engineering uh and at the time of this album he was working at polaroid um wow. yeah he uh he used to have his buddies come and talk when this song hit the radio we'll talk about how it hit the radio here in a little bit but his buddies would come grab him and be like dude your song's on the radio and the whole time he was there he never heard the whole song he would just hear like the very end because he'd get there so he never while the time he worked there, he never heard his song on the radio from, from start to finish. But, uh, yeah, they recorded this album, him and the drummer and Brad Delp in the in the basement, um, which I don't know if you want to – I can talk to you a little about that. If you yes, go. Yeah, he, uh, he did everything in his basement on this, and Epic signed them, but they assisted that the album be recording in a professional studio by a professional producer. And they chose this guy named John Boylan. Um, and Tom says he came to look at my studio and said, well, obviously we can't do it here. We're gonna have to go to New York or LA or someplace to do it. And Tom said, well, I'm not going to do it then because you're not going to get the same thing. He's like, this is my element and I want to do a studio. Let me give the exact quote. If you take me out of my element to a studio where I can't do that, well, then I'm going to have to quit. So and I understand if this record doesn't get recorded and the only way it's going to happen is here in my basement. So they agreed, and they recorded the whole album in the basement, but then mixed and mastered it and everything wow. at, at John Boylan's um, studio. So Interesting. That's, Man, that's gutsy. Yeah. Like, Some nobody that works at Polaroid telling Epic, <laughs> you know, hey, we're doing it in my basement. But, Man. Yeah, so that's, that's a little history on the album. Love um, it or leave it. Yeah. Um, album cover... I'm a fan of this. If you'll look at this wonderful it's, album cover. It's kind of a bunch of spaceships. It's a bunch of their guitars. 
You see that? Oh Have you ever gosh. noticed that? Okay, stop what you're doing right now. I mean, leave this running. But in the background, go Gra- get on Google. And look, look up, up Boston album. Boston's debut album. It's guitars invading the earth. Invading the earth, yeah. And they're uh, guitar spaceships, amazingly enough. I wonder if this Holy is... Holy cow. What's, is that the Boston skyline in there? I believe it is. I don't know why they would put any other I skyline. I think that is the Boston skyline yeah. as part of the... Yeah. That is insane. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, it, off top, of, uh, while we're talking good album covers, any what's your oh man pick an album uh, cover that you? I love Fifty One Fifty by Van Halen. Really? Yeah, the big strong guy, yeah, holding the, guy up holding the it? world, the, the sort of Atlas pose. I just always liked it. I always felt like, and I don't know, because I would have thought Nineteen Eighty Four would have been the album cover that was picked by Van Halen it, with the Angels. You know, that's definitely their most iconic album cover. Uh, I never got it. I, I, you know, whatever. Maybe if I was smoked five years older or smoked or something, I don't know. Um, but, uh, I always thought 5150, I thought the color of that album cover conveyed the feel of the music to me. That album, I don't know what it is. I don't know if, I had a green chorus pedal <laughs> and it makes me connect with, with, but it, but that album, the music feels, feels green. green to me. It like, it just, the cover totally makes sense. Dreams, dreams uh, feels green. Dreams, all of it. You know, uh, um, what's love walks in the snare hit on love walks in yeah, my favorite oh, snare, great hit snare hit in the history. Of Listen, all we're going to, we're going to run down the great single snare hits of all time we'll, at some point. We'll do that sometime. Oh man. No. Uh, what about you? Great favorite album covers. Oh man, some- um, different ones for different. I I like the cut. Co- while we're talking colors, I like the color of Disraeli Gears by Cream. Yeah, the really psychedelic colors. Um, Abbey Road, probably my favorite Beatles mm-hmm. one. Um, with the concept on there, Pink Floyd. I would probably pick the Wish You Were Here album cover with the guy on fire. Even though the Dark Side of the Moon is the popular one, uh-huh. I like that one. Um, uh, the I know the most popular one ever is actually not going to make my list. It's the the Velvet Underground one with the banana Andy yep. Warhol picture. I think that's the number one really? album cover. Yeah, that's I don't, I don't get it. And I like the London uh, the London Calling Clash album where the guy's smashing the guitar. It yeah, just feels like excitement to me. But man, those are album I, covers. Know, that I, nothing is really springing to mind for me. Like, thanks I know, for not saying the Nirvana Nevermind album. Yeah. That would have been <laughs> just wrong. You know, never mind. <laughs> Weird Al's is better. Yeah, okay. let's see. Yeah, Weird Al's. Uh, Man, something you'll learn about me uh, is I am a I'm a big old Weird Al fan. Uh, I love everything the guy's ever done. What's I've your favorite got, Weird Al album? My favorite, I can tell you my favorite Weird Al song. Okay, uh, I don't know if I can give you the give you my favorite album right offhand, but but Weird Al had a song. We'll get back to Boston in a minute, but you don't you don't come to hear us stick to the script. You come <laughs> well, you back to the, to the Great Song Podcast to hear us get off on tangents and talk about funny stuff. Uh, my favorite song by Weird Al Yankovic was on his 2000, I believe it was 2003 album called Poodle Hat. Okay. Um, it is probably not one of his better selling albums, um, but it had, it had a funny Eminem parody. It had a funny parody of Nelly uh, doing Hot in Here, uh, Hot in Her. Um, but my favorite Weird Al song of all time is not a parody. Uh, it is a song on, on the Poodle Hat album called Why Does This Always Happen to Me? And... Uh, it starts off, Ben Folds actually played piano on it, Oh wow! Uh, which is very cool. Um, and it starts off in a kind of a very somber tone. And the first verse is, um, about, I, I was watching my TV and a special report broke in and there was a devastating earthquake in Peru. 
and there were, you know, uh, thousands of people like crushed to death and a bunch of people buried alive and, you know, all this carnage is happening. For those of you that just turned this in, this is not news. This no, is this is, a, uh, this is my Al. favorite Weird Al, Weird Al song. song. And here's, and here's why it's, here's why it's, here's why it's my favorite Weird Al song. Because this was his, this was his first album, uh, post nine 11. Okay. When was bad hair day? So bad hair day was 1997. Oh, wow. wow. Um, and so there was a, and then 1999 was running, running with, with scissors. scissors. Um, and so this is his first album post nine 11. And in the middle of it, you think, Oh snap, <laughs> this he's doing a nine 11 song. Yeah. Like that's what this, you know what I'm saying? Like he's getting serious for a second, I've which never, is not weird. Al. This is, yeah. Like this is unprecedented. And for, and it's, I mean, it, nothing about it sounds funny. There's nothing funny. I, and then he says, um, he says, I, I'm seeing this, you know, this breaks in on my television and I'm watching it. And I say, God, please answer me one question. Why'd they have to interrupt the Simpsons for this? <laughs> Just for this? I was taping it and everything. And now I'm going to have to wait for the rerun to see the part that I missed. Why does this always happen to me? There's this great tragedy. That's and awesome. my concern is that I was mildly inconvenienced that's, by it. That's great. And that is the quintessential <laughs> genius of young weird Al Yankovic. There is nothing funnier than that turnaround. I don't think weird Al has covered a Boston song. <clears throat> Not to my knowledge. Uh, Man, but that is definitely my favorite Weird Al song. Uh, my favorite Weird Al cover, uh, if I can kind of tie these things in together, my favorite Weird Al cover. You're meaning like album cover. Album cover, not yes, not cover, cover song. song. Oh, that would be, no, I, I don't have the brain power to process that. Uh, my favorite Weird Al album cover is uh, probably going to be, actually his first one was very cool. There was a lot of work put into it. It was, it was uh, um, a, a drawing, a cartoon, and it's like him in his room and it was a bunch of stuff. Um, so that one was pretty cool. Um, but past that, I think probably straight out of Linwood is just so funny. Like it's <laughs> him looking hard. Like he's just put out a rap album and, and it's weird out and it's yeah. straight it's out of UHF. Linwood. So anyway, weird Al, city. great. If, um, you've, if you've never seen UHF, watch, go watch it. it Special city. Um, other guys on the back of this album cover, let's talk about them since we kind of skipped over them. Didn't give them any credit on meet the band, even though they did not play on the album. They are the touring band. Of Boston, um, the other guitar player, guy named Barry Gaudreau, um, was in a band called Orion the Hunter. Cool. And RTZ returned to zero, and that just goes to show you: if you get with one good band, you can play in a bunch of other cruddy ones the rest of your life. Weird. Okay. okay, so Return to Zero. Uh, you know, isn't it uh, what is what's Chick Corea's band Return to Infinity? Is know. that what I'm thinking of? I don't know. Look that up. Uh -huh. um, but listen to this because this is neat. That's the neatest thing I thought about the band, aside from Tom and all his stories. The bass player, his name's Franz Sheehan. Sheenan, sorry. Franz Sheenan. Do you know any other famous bass Billy players? Billy Sheehan? Billy. Yeah, they're not related. Oh, uh, you was had really me. Really cool. Um, yeah, so. Um, and Confession Time being my favorite. Oh, uh Sorry, nope. You're Confession good. time with JP. Go. Confession time, really quick. My favorite song on this album is not more than a feeling. It's Peace of Mind, the song after it. Okay, all uh, right, interesting. There There's some some, uh, some nuggets there. Correction to myself: Chick Corea's band is Return to Forever, uh, not Return to Infinity. But still, it begs the same question: 
Return to Zero, is that a play on Return to Forever? Is it like opposite ends of the spectrum? You're like, well, Chick Corea's got Return to How, Infinity. When we're going to be Return to yeah, Zero. I don't know when they came out. Like, I don't know which was first. Nah, I don't either. Anyway, back to the lecture at hand. Any parts of the song that you like? You like? My favorite part of this song um, is is the, the very last section before they go into the chorus for the last time. Um, there is a note. Play, play a little bit of it. Yeah, let's play a little bit, and, I, I, and, and, and you'll hear what I'm talking about. Okay, so that <laughs> note, that glorious note. We're not going to try to emulate. It's insane. I don't even think I could sing an octave below that note. <laughs> it, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding when I say every time I hear this song on the radio and it gets to that part, I start to get nervous. <laughs> He's not going to get that. He's not going to get it. Every time I listen, I go, there's no way he hits that. He's note. not going to do it again. I'm like, I know what he's going to try to do. There's no way he gets there. I think we should watch and see if they do anything live. See if oh, he does it live. Oh, man. There's just, that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me nervous. Every time I listen, I feel like I'm on stage and, I, and I'm singing this song. And you know it's coming. Headed toward a note that I know I just don't have that day. <laughs> like, you did this once in the studio. Like, you're going to Bon Jovi it. Hold the mic stand to the crowd exactly. and gang vocal living on a prayer. Yes, exactly. You're going you're gonna to gang Once vocal. Once you hit it. that key change, yeah. you know you just don't have it anymore. You're going to look for Richie Sambora to help and hold the mic out <laughs> to, the, to the crowd. Oh, man. I just... Uh, every time I get scared for the guy, like, there's, there's no way you're hitting that note, dude. There's no way. And then, by golly, if every single time he doesn't do it, and I'm like, you're the, you're a, my hero. You are an absolute madman to be able to hit that note. So uh, clean, too. Yeah, yeah. You oh. it. Well, I'm a fan of the guitar harmonies in it. I'm, yes. a, I'm a guitar harmony fan. I always love that. And to see, you know, cover bands cover it live and do the guitar harmony parts. Yeah. That's neat. And it's it's like that the, the guitar solo is not crazy hard. It's not technically very difficult. But I'll tell you what's hard about this guitar solo. Uh, and you and I have played this song together. Yes. The hard part of playing this solo is figuring out where the uh, trills are, where the flutters are. So you've got the... Those little trill, they're, they're irregular throughout. Which, looking back at it, it, the fact that he played all the parts yeah. probably makes it... It probably made it a lot simpler. Yeah, yeah. I uh, thought about that. But still, like, just to be able to... I, I, that was the hardest part for me, trying to play the song. Not remembering what are the notes, what are the fingerings. It's, where, where, do where you are trill? the trills? Yeah. Like, there's several of them, and, and I'm not sure. Because when the trill is gone. You don't want the trill to be gone. <laughs> I mean, you really don't. Are there any other songs off the top of your head that you really like harmony parts? 
kind of that you can uh, think of really? You know, I mean, Kings of Harmony or the Almond Brothers. Okay. Uh, I like Scorpions. Oh. Harmony part. Uh, no mm. One Like You. Rocky yeah. Like. Let's listen to just a 30 second segue, four second segue. Yeah. All right. Pick a go. Scorpion. Scorpions. Here we go. Wow. Scorpions, man. How about that? A little uh, Matthias Jabs. Matthias on the Jabs. Lead. Although maybe Jobs. Jobs. Soft, soft J. German. Matthias. I, I don't know. Ja- David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff. Big Germans fan. love David Hasselhoff Nine. and Matthias Jabs. Uh, Jobs. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, that good call. Great harmony guitar parts. Uh, anybody else? I nobody like as a rule do I think you know Metallica's had some stuff you know you think of like maybe Megadeth probably that era. Skinner but that's not really my thing I mean uh, a little uh, yes yeah, Skinner um, Almond Brothers you talked about who uh, uh, Molly Hatchet okay you know flirting with disaster yeah. kind of that stuff uh, even um, uh, Boys Are Back in Town you know but Thin Lizzy yeah 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 there we go a little of that. Um, but I think all time I'm going to go with Allman Brothers on uh, on harmony harmony leads. Anyway, so uh, what else what else sticks out to you about this? Song? Well, I mean, obviously everybody wants to know who Marianne is who in is? this song, yeah. other than the girl from Gilligan's Island. Right. Um, I read some reports that this was actually uh, he crushed on this girl named Marianne, who was an older girl, and it actually turned out to be his cousin. Mm. So yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. That'll. That'll really make you view a song differently. <laughs> yeah. You hate when, hate when you find it's like seeing how sausage is made. They say once you see how it's made, you'll never want to eat sausage again. You know, Daddy, so- do you want some sausage? Law. You know what that's from? No. Oh, dude. Uh, Tom Green. <clears throat> oh, okay. Anyway. Okay. No. Laws and sausages is what they say. You never yeah. want to see how they get made. Daddy, do you want some um, sausage? Sometimes when you find out the story behind a song, it makes it a little bit disappointing. Like, uh, or if you ever listen to um, the words to. Um, uh, my Sharona, that guy was a perv. He's like the neck, the uh, the the neck. Yeah, the neck. Yeah, um, man. It's first, an, it's about hitting on an underage girl. First time I heard My Sharona, Full House, Jesse and the Rippers. Wow. Yeah, Uncle Jesse. Uncle Jesse. Have John mercy. Stamos. Have mercy of the Beach Boys. John Stamos. Wow. Uh, okay, so th- it, this is interesting. So Boston, uh, you know, was an unexpected hit. Their their first album took off uh, and was actually the best-selling debut album of all time until it was knocked off. By? Do you know who? Have oh, a guess? Oh, man. I'll give you a clue. Uh, I believe it was 1988, um, a band that came out of nowhere. Their their debut album is still selling you too? millions to this day. No, no you two earlier than that. 88. Yeah. Their, first, their, their first album just took over the world. Um, they've had some band member problems since then. Their lead singer's probably just kind of a butthole. Um, man, I don't know. Oh man. Stump the panel. It's going to be Appetite for Destruction. Oh yeah. Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses. How about that? Uh, is now the, the selling debut album. Do you have a favorite Guns N' Roses album? Favorite Guns N' Roses Use your album. Illusion? I, you know, I'm actually not, uh, don't tell. I'm actually not a huge Guns N' Roses really? fan. I kind of. Tolerate the radio song. Do you like Slash at all? Uh, you know Slash fan? I think Slash is a great player. 
His work on November Rain, his yeah. tone on November Rain, and some of his stuff on November Rain is among the most beautiful uh, guitar work I've ever heard. Did you ever listen to Velvet Revolver? Um, I tried. I, I gave it the old college try, uh, but I dropped out of college too. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I did. I did what I, like I could. All the pieces, um, the radio. I, November Rain, I think, is yes. gorgeous and always will. Um, but beyond that, I don't go much further. I tell you, the thing about Guns and Roses that really grinds my gears uh, <laughs> is, and I tried to correct this, and SoundCloud shut me down. Uh, Paradise City. Sure. Okay, let's talk about it for a second, and then we'll okay. get back to Boston, uh, which some people would call Paradise City, I imagine. <laughs> Probably mostly people who are from Boston. Um, you Celtics so fans. This, on, on Paradise City, they hit the the sort of the end of the verse. Cause one of the time. Right? That drum fill happens every time. Two snare hits. Take me down to the... Okay, the guy rushes it every time. Every time it's rushed. Record with a click or something, yeah. bro. Because it should be, there should be some space there. It should yeah. be, take it to the end of the line. Cut, yeah. cut, take me down to the... But no, 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 no. Listen to it. I'm telling you. He's it's, excited. And it's like, bro, wait a second. Yeah. Hold on. Let like, it build. Man, there's supposed to be some space here. Let it build. Every single time. So literally, it drove me nuts to the point where about a year ago, a little more than that, I guess, I, I downloaded the song. Uh, and and put it in my recording software and spaced out just those things, just those fills every time. And it was such a rewarding experience <laughs> to listen to that song where the drummer's actually keeping That's time awesome. and awesome. not rushing. That's awesome. Oh, it was beautiful. And so I uploaded it as a remix to see and if just I could get away that. with it. And that was the only thing I changed. I uploaded it as a remix uh, for, for anybody out there who was like me, who that, that drove insane, uh, and SoundCloud took it down immediately. They were like, no, this is, you know what I mean? You basically just stole their song. Um, and, but it breaks my heart because really it was, it was the song, the way it should be heard, uh, in proper time. Didn't, uh, Angus Young play with them on this last tour? Am I right uh, on that or am I making No, that I up? think you're, I think you've got it reversed. Oh, Axel sang Axel, with ACDC. Yes, Axel right, sang okay. for ACDC on their last tour. And apparently it was amazing. I had people, really? I had, uh, friends who saw it and they said it was incredible. I yeah. That. Um, um, so yes, uh, Appetite for Destruction knocks off, uh, Boston's, uh, best selling debut album. Um, it's also been said, you may have, you may have some, some on this, but it has been said, that the riff to the chorus bum, 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 has drawn from two songs, one being Louie Louie, uh, right? Okay. And the other. Uh, do you ever do Pharaoh Pharaoh in church? Oh, yes. Do you ever do that with the hand signals? Mm, I have bad memories. Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Oh. Brant Ramirez, Let if you're out there listening, go. this section is for you. Oh, man. Good yes. stuff. Uh, the other song that, it, 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 while it's true, bears similarity, is uh, Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. Um, and, and Obviously, Boston did not get inspired by Nirvana. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, yes, that, that Nirvana, you know, bears, bears resemblance. And he, it, this was acknowledged by Nirvana. I, I'm not buying that they you know, intentionally, like it was an homage to Boston. I don't think Nirvana was such huge fans of uh, Boston that they're like... Kurt Cobain loves Brad Delp. (laughs) Uh, You know, but, okay, rhythmically, yeah, I hear it, you know, whatever, it's there. And there's actually, you can go on YouTube and find uh, clips of Nirvana 
starting the riff of Smells Like Teen Spirit and then sort of morphing it into more than a feeling. Oh, they're and actually, they, they do it. Yes, they actually did it. They acknowledge that, yeah, okay, it's similar, and they're playing live, and, and they just do a little bit of the most awful chorus of more than a feeling <laughs> you've ever heard. They're, it sounds like they're intentionally murdering it. Um, but I'm, I'm never going to, I'm never going to buy the assertion that's out there that they did it on purpose. Okay. Um, but, uh, that being said, you know, it's just parallel thought. Sometimes you write something that sounds like something somebody else wrote. doesn't mean you, it was necessarily causality there. You just, you know, this happens on Twitter when people yeah. make jokes that are like, you know, my joke was kind of like your joke. And so now you're going to accuse me of stealing your joke, even though I've never seen your Remember joke. the time I wrote a song and it was Pour My Love On You by Phillips Craig and Dean? Remember that? No. Oh, we did. I thought, I was like, hey, I've got this melody. And you're like, yeah, it's Pour My Love On You by Phillips Craig and Dean. <laughs> like, oh, well, okay. listen, Pour My Love On You is not as dirty as it sounds. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. We're, we're running a it's family, no pour some sugar a on family thing here. Uh if you you can look it up and prove it, um, but uh, it's actually a it's actually a good Christian song, and very clean. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, uh, other interesting facts about "More Than a Feeling" by Boston, which is what we've been supposed yeah. to talk about for a little bit. Um, Two thousand eight Republican presidential candidate Mike Huckabee mm-hmm. used this song uh, to promote his campaign and actually got a member of the of the band on the album cover and the touring band, not of the. Um, not of the original writers, um, to come on stage with him. And he actually got sued by Tom Schultz because Tom Schultz not only did not approve of that, he wrote the song, he actually opposed his views on everything. So that was kind of a big, big stinks like, of things. I feel like politicians just don't care. about. Like, this happens at least twice every election that, like, so-and-so wants to use a Mellencamp song, so they just start doing it. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to be the people who work on... The laws that hold our nation together. <laughs> and yet you do a copyright. You can't handle some basic copyright infringement. Yeah. <laughs> like, just go ask first. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if not, there's somebody that agrees with you who will let didn't, you use their music. Did you know? Clinton do a, was he a Fleetwood Mac guy? Did he do Go Your I Way so. or Don't Stop or something? Yeah, I think Clinton was a big Fleetwood Mac guy. He um, could go, yeah. Oh, maybe not. Everybody's got their, you know, things. And what's happened over the years, though, is that the, um, the, Democrat base has all the cool artists now. All the, you know, you've got Republicans have basically got Ted Nugent <laughs> and Kid Rock and kind of that's about it. Yeah. Like there's not really much else. <laughs> Maybe some country artists. Uh, can you name you know another I mean? Ted Nugent song other than Cat Scratch Fever? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure, yeah. You've got Wango Tango. Um, um. <laughs> <laughs> can you name two other songs? I don't know if it's I'm afraid of you. Don't shoot me with a bone arrow, but I really... <laughs> I really don't think uh, I did see Ted Nugent shoot a guitar with an arrow, um, not up and close, but close enough where I could say I was in, in, the, in the vicinity with binoculars. Wow! Yeah, they're like Ted Nugent's over there doing a thing, and I didn't have good enough. <laughs> You're seat. just walking down the street. No, they were like Ted Nugent's doing a show, and I was with a buddy that had binoculars. Like I bet we can see him from here. And I pulled out my binoculars, and I saw Ted Nugent shoot a guitar with a bow and arrow. Well, all right. I mean, so, they say he's quite good at yeah. it. Yeah. Well, there uh, you go. Well, I think he doesn't. He. Ha- I know his nickname is the Motor City Madman, but I think he also maybe has a song by that title. Odds are um, good. I, man, I really feel like I should know more Ted Nugent Sorry, songs. Nuge. There should be some readily available, um, but they're all filthy, so it doesn't really yeah, matter. Yeah, all good. Um, okay, so. Um, this is interesting. There's not a ton of songs that are like this in that it's verses are in a different key. 
Yeah, then it's yeah, choruses. That's, that's, verse in what D? Verses in D. Chorus in G. Choruses in G. Yeah, and they they do it so adeptly. They they handle the, the chord it. transition so well that you don't even really think about it. Um, but it's you know, I mean, it's definitely the 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 tonal uh, uh, foundation changes the tonal um, you know. The, the line that follows Total the base. I see my Marianne walking away it comes from a song called Walk Away, Walk Away Renee that Left Bank wrote and Tom Schultz's vocal about saying, yeah, that definitely inspired it. So Interesting. So take- I think uh, I, I read, I don't know because I haven't listened to that song and I didn't, well, I didn't care to, but um, <laughs> I, I think I, I read that even the chords underneath that line yeah. match the G, D over F sharp, E minor, D. Interesting. I wonder, I mean, I assume that's probably an intentional sort of homage. If Tribute. Saying. Yeah. So yeah, Walk Away Renee. Do you know, in your research, have you found if she has any relation to Walk Away Joe? I don't Are they cousins? Uh, or? We, you know, we talked about Trisha Yearwood before. Trisha Yearwood wrote Walk Away Joe. She did. Uh, another, actually love that song. We, uh, yeah. We might Dude, have to just, what in the world we just wow. pick All right. One. You know what? We'll see you next week. Yeah, uh, we're tapping out. We're going to talk. We got to go start looking up stuff. Walk on away Walk Joe's away Joe. Amazing. I actually, I, I'm going to say this now. I'm going to tell this story now in case we actually don't end up doing an episode on walk away Joe. Okay. Um, I was in a band and, um, and we got hired through an online service. This wasn't anybody that we knew. We got hired, uh, to play a wedding and um and they paid us real well to come in and, and play a wedding. It's very small and sort of an intimate setting reception. So we're set up with with an acoustic setup and and basically for the reception, uh, you know, they're just sort of dancing and we're just kind of going through a notebook full of songs, right? And and um and so we in the middle of our set realize, oh snap, we're singing Walk Away Joe. At a wedding reception, (laughs) like born to be a lever, tell you from the word go, destined to deceive Please tell me the guy's name was not Joe. Oh man, no, I don't think it was. And somehow we averted a disaster. (laughs) Uh, I guess they were too googly eyed to even really notice, but I think we just stopped short and we're like, and we're going to move along to, you know what I mean? Everybody grab some punch. Let's hear hear a little bit of that. Um, So uh, yeah, anyway. Back to uh, the lecture at hand. Um, More than a feeling is is uh, is a song about the the power, the sort of evocative power of music. Like it's a it's just a crazy exploration of um, you know what a song can make you realize and what a song can make you you know sort of come back to, like bring to mind memories, good, bad. You know, whatever. It's the same. They say you're like smell is the most powerful sense that you have. Like you can smell an old baseball glove and it can remind you of, you know, your granddad's attic and whatever and all the stuff that, you know, you used to do there. Do you ever wonder about um, what your smell is? Like when people come to your house? Oh, no. My wife always asks oh. me this. See, my, my family definitely has their own smell. Oh, my gosh. It's something that, yeah. You ever think about that? I, no. Hey, Why would you say that? I don't know. I don't want to think about now that. Now you're going to. Everybody oh. has their own smell. I don't want, my gosh, what are people thinking when they walk into my house? Like, oh no. Okay. I got to go. That's going to wrap it up for another week of the great song podcast. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at great song pod. If you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, wherever you are, please like subscribe, comment, share it. Tell all your friends. Uh, we'll see you next week. Go listen to some music.